Welcome to the Story Studio. Oh yeah, here we go. Check it out now. Welcome to the Story Studio, a podcast where an independent publishing company explores the world of self-publishing, independent art, and the future of storytelling. My name is Daniel Wilcox, and today I'm joined by regular... Hello, Luke Condor. Hello. And we and we have special guest Craig Martell. Say hi, Craig. Hey, how are you guys doing? Craig here. Fantastic. So good. Craig is a former Marine, a former business consultant, Alaskan resident, husband and dog owner, and a successful author of five beloved book series spanning the genres of sci-fi, post-apocalypse, and thriller. He's also an incredibly, incredibly efficient and lightning quick writer and an incredibly swell dude. How's it going, Craig? Hey, I, <laughs> oh, it's going great. Thank, thanks, Dan and Luke, for having me on, uh, on board. I appreciate it. Uh, I, I hope you're listeners get something out of this besides bored out of their mind with the guy who lives uh, back <laughs> of beyond Alaska and uh, spends all day writing or uh, outside with his dog. That, that sounds like heaven to me. That yes. sounds like absolute heaven to me. But, That's uh, what we're aiming to get to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I do. I do call it uh, uh, God's country up here because, man, it's uh, it's you and nature and we live a ways away from the city. So, mm-hmm. uh it, it is pretty much just what we want to make of it. You say How far are you from the nearest city? About, about 10 miles. Okay. Yeah. You say it's minus 50 at the minute, as minus 50 Fahrenheit. Oh, it got it got that this winter. Right now, it's, uh, oh, it's a beautiful day, probably about 50 degrees Fahrenheit outside. So yeah. it's very nice. It's uh, it's pleasant. It's spring uh, green. Green. Everything is turning green. <laughs> <clears throat> so uh, no, no, it's uh, it's a very very nice time of year. The uh, the mosquitoes are are out. Unfortunately, they've been out for a week. Uh, they came out before all the snow melted. It was really annoying. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're the worst. Have you ever been like so, uh, so cold that you can't write? Like your fingers just won't physically move? Because <laughs> I've been a few times. I've, my fingers get pretty chilly sometimes. I just struggle to use my phone. Yes. Uh, as a matter of fact, this last winter was was really harsh in regards to the cold. And even wearing gloves, uh, I'd take my dog Phyllis, uh, a pit bull, on about a half-mile walk. That's our, that's our morning walk. And I'd come in, and my fingers would be so cold and so yeah. stiff and so painful to touch anything that it took me about an hour for them to thaw out enough before I could write. So that hey. was uh, probably – uh, two or three months out of the winter it was that cold yeah how do you how do you get around that you you wait two or three hours after you <laughs> there's no miracle cure to cold fingers <laughs> no, no i could wear uh i have these moose mittens that, that uh go underneath a pair of gloves and uh, that's the best way to go but then i can't uh, uh handle phyllis very well yeah. because it's so dark uh, I get up way early. That's the Marine Corps. So I take her out at, uh, at, at like 3.30, 4 in the morning before wow. any of the other dogs get out. <laughs> when, when people and, say uh, they get up early, I normally think, yeah, me too. I get up at you know, half, five, six. But no one's ever said, I get up about 3 o'clock. <laughs> <laughs> That's a, yeah. It's, 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 I know. It's, a, it's an alien, which that helps when I write aliens because uh, yeah, it, uh, it fits right in. Hmm. No, no. The uh, uh, Getting outside, getting uh, – and doing it and being part and parcel with uh, with nature up here is, is really important. Mm-hmm. It's it's what you need to do, even if it's a little cold. To live here, you have to be okay with cold. You don't have to like it. I don't like it when it's that cold, but I'm okay with it. So, uh, yeah, come back inside, warm up, and, and then write. 
So, yeah. uh, which is what we're here for. So yeah. Let's yeah. talk about writing, man. Cool. Uh, so, yes. uh, what are we all working on currently, Daniel? Do you want to? What are you still doing? Oh, you're we're planning the new series, right? Yeah. So I've had a bit of um. It's been quite a nice week for me because um I've had about three or four weeks just cracking on with the edits for um they remain but this last week we've actually yeah been planning the first book in a new trilogy by myself and Mr Condor um which I don't think we'll say too much on yet because we've still got to work out the ins and outs but we're aiming to have essentially just a bullet series aren't we just try and write something fairly quick fairly speedy pop it out there and see if people like it yeah we're going to try and mimic a bit of craig and uh michael underlays and that sort of fast turnaround um mm. you, what what genre are you guys looking at it's uh, looking at a bit um it's post-apocalyptic primarily with elements of fantasy so okay okay sounds cool <laughs> sounds cool yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's <clears throat> getting up quickly it, it's it's great. It's okay. The revenue stream is nice. The tail grows with each new book, mm. but that's where you, you you manage reader expectations. As long as uh, you can deliver a book every three weeks, four weeks, whatever whatever the frequency is, even if it's six weeks, the readers know that. And come six weeks, they expect to see that next one. And you deliver, your readership will grow because you, you've established that credibility and you've given them a series where hey, every Tuesday my favorite show comes on. So every yeah. six weeks, my favorite books arrive, and you keep that story going. You have that main overarching arc, that yeah. story arc where they want to find out about their favorite characters. But each story needs to be self-contained as well. You can't leave them on a massive click cliffhanger with, <laughs> and he fired the gun at our main character. See you next time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that's it. I mean, we've got um, essentially two series already, one that's already sort of releasing on its way, another one that we're – still working on what we're going to do with it but we yeah we wanted to come up with another one that was quite quick fire that actually got out there just to kind of up our our backlist really yeah yeah cool yeah, yeah. what about you craig what are you working on i am working on nomad avenged which is uh, terry henry walton chronicles book seven uh, co-written with michael anderley <clears throat> i am reaching for halfway done right now i should i should pass the halfway point today uh and that's a a good continuing series that book is very, uh, this series is very very successful the last three books all uh worn the uh, amazon bestseller tag yeah. fantastic um, congrats congrats oh thank you thank you and i just published a book yesterday the third book in my cygnus space opera series which is uh the ninth book that's in the free crater universe so that uh, that that was a, a nice ad and something I've been promising my readers for oh geez about six months and it's been five months since I published a book in my my own name alone so uh, it was nice to get that back out there yeah so you so you're halfway through that book so that must be coming out what uh, Saturday <laughs> 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 oh yeah we would <clears throat> we would think. I, I, I try to give my uh, my my editor uh, a couple weeks heads up. I used to give her two months, but then mm. uh, uh, things got a little more more volatile in regards to timing. So now two weeks, uh, and also I have my editor on salary just to make it oh, just wow. to make it easier and and not mess with her time. Because yeah. if I'm only going to give her two weeks notice, I, I here here you go. You're paid, uh, and if I don't deliver, well then I lose money. If I do deliver, we're good. So. Uh, that also helps uh, some accountability 
Yeah, definitely. Uh, and I told her I would deliver the book on the 22nd of May. And we okay. hope to publish, not hope, we need to publish this month. So we're shooting for a publication date of 29 May. <laughs> wow. Wow. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> um, so we will get into more into the detail of sort of your process and uh, and the books and everything. But uh, before we do that, I just want to get into the big book. I do want to sort of jump ahead and go straight in with mine because we are getting a dog on Saturday and... It's called oh, Al- great. it's called Alaska, and I was like, oh wow, oh, great, <laughs> that's perfect. Yeah, uh, we're, we're driving down to Kent on Saturday. It's like a five-hour drive. Staying over my sister's oh, and then picking up. Yeah, she's a, a a samoid. I don't know if you get many samoids over there. Yes, yes. I just thought for some reason I thought you're in Alaska. <laughs> I'm getting a dog called Alaska. This is meant to be. <laughs> <laughs> how, how serendipitous! No, that's yeah. that's great. Uh, the dog ownership is great. And I was thinking of that this morning while I was walking around that uh, <clears throat> if it wasn't for uh, for my dog, Phyllis, I I would rarely leave the house. So she's <laughs> yeah. good. She's good for my health and well-being. Does she influence the writing at all? I'm sorry. Does she like influence your writing in any way? Oh, my God. The uh, End Times Alaska series. Uh, Phyllis is one of the main characters and, wow. and a fan favorite. And that, nice. that series was a was a best selling series with uh, with my traditional publisher. I'm I'm known as a hybrid author because I have uh, a series with a traditional publisher as well as uh, a number with uh, that are independent independently mm-hmm. published. So yes, Phyllis, uh, I I always write dogs. I always write dogs that uh, 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 people love to to have at hand. And yeah. actually, let me let me read you a. I wrote right before you guys got on because I was trying to catch up. I'm at it's quarter after 11 here in Alaska in the morning, mm-hmm. and I have written 380 total today. So I would every minute it's like, no, no, you got a jam, you got a jam. Uh, <laughs> let's see. Okay, Char looked at the coon hound. Don't even Corey sedated preemptively. Char rolled her eyes because uh, the coon hound's going with him on a on a tactical mission. Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, but that, that's uh, uh, always, always try to put dogs in my story because uh, man's best friend, right? Or, yeah, or yeah. human's best I love friend. Just putting, I love putting just pets in general. I mean, we, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know if what we did with a dog was a bit of a mistake, but um, we, spoiler alert for anyone that hasn't read the right yet, we ended up killing the dog in the first book. Um, but we, we have got an alternative to that in book two, just to kind of pull that back. But every time I've spoken to someone about uh, what they thought of the book, that was the first thing that came up. Yeah. Yeah, that's, don't don't do that. Don't don't <laughs> don't kill off don't kill off your main character. Okay, G.R.R. Martin gets away with it, but nobody else. <laughs> yeah. Don't kill your main character. Don't kill any of the happy animals. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My uh, my big whoop this week is um, uh, actually a previous guest that came on a couple of uh, months ago, John L. Monk. Um, I'm actually reading or just finished reading his collaboration with uh, Jay Thorne on the American Demon Hunter series. Um, which was just they named them in different series. Oh, Washington DC, um, uh-huh. and it's it's about a twenty thousand word novella. Very very quick read. Didn't take long at all. But he writes one of my favorite characters I think I've ever had in a book, which is just a forty five year old D and D player that goes hungry on demon powers that he suddenly possesses overnight. Um, <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> And I think because he is a and d player and because he loves all that kind of stuff, he writes it so well. But I was – it's rare that I ever smile or laugh out loud when reading the book. But – and I know it's a, a horror in a sense, but 
just that character himself I absolutely loved and I'd, I'd highly recommend that book to, to anyone so that's American Demon oh, Hunters Washington DC Washington DC yes okay, cool. okay that's cool, that's cool. I, I did get the pleasure of meeting John L. Monk a couple weeks ago at the Smarter Artists Summit oh, in cool. Texas yeah. How yeah, good, yeah. good dude. He's he's taller than I thought. Yeah, I saw pictures. Yeah. Uh, he, he looks like a giant. He looks like about, I mean, just from guessing, yeah, six foot three or something like that. Um, uh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, broad, big, big, big dude. But uh, good guy. Good oh. guy and damn good author. And yeah. Damn good yes. author. Yeah. All the cool guys were there, it seemed. I saw Michael Bunker even pop down. Uh, Kevin Tumlinson was there. All, all, the, all the cool yes. people. Oh, yeah. Ke- my first conversation with Kevin Tumlinson, D2D, right? They were one of the sponsors of the show. They uh, provided the badges and the badge holders. Mm-hmm. Well, me and, and with with John L. Monk, he understood. I, I wore my GaryCon badge holder that I just picked up. GaryCon, that's for all the old school uh, role-playing gamer uh, uh, dudes in that convention. Well, I, I, I walked up to Kevin to introduce myself, and he's like, what's this? And and. No, no D to D badge holder in the badge <laughs> that showing D to D was kind of buried, and it's like, oh man, now I feel bad. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, we we want to go to Smart Art is so bad, but it it'll be on the horizon at some point. Yeah, yeah. So if you, uh, oh, Gary, gonna... Con, you guys, sorry, Gary Contan, man, Gary Contan is coming <laughs> next year. Nice. So have you have you got a big whoop for us um, for this week? Uh, the, just a nomad avenged. I've got cool. that. I published a book. I, uh, also was in galactic frontiers that was published uh, two days ago, which is an anthology with some, uh, some, uh, a heavy hitter science fiction, space opera authors, Chris Fox, uh, Jay Allen, uh, to name a couple. Uh, and that's, that's currently wearing the bestseller tag. I brought up my Amazon dashboard and two out of the first three listed books were wearing the tag. So that was really nice to see. Wow. That's phenomenal. Uh, so, yeah. And uh, uh, getting uh, the Expanding Universe 2, that's uh, the anthology that I'm uh, uh, Han showing. We've got 23 authors. Uh, we've got the stories uh, all submitted, ready to go. Uh, it, they're currently being formatted. Uh, I have to uh, uh, subcontract the formatting because I don't I don't own an Apple with with vellum, mm. and uh, many people do. So that just makes it easier, make it look better because uh, this is all about indies reaching into the traditional publishing world and showing that level of professionalism. So getting it formatted right now, we're going to put it up for pre order on the fifteenth of May. So we've got that uh, conference. Uh, we're at about two hundred and ten people registered for twenty books Vegas. And uh, 20 Books London, February 3rd and 4th, 2018. Uh, Working on that, uh, got a uh, guest speaker lined up yesterday, a new one that is going to be really beneficial for people. Not announcing any of the guest speakers yet, but we have some, uh, there's going to be plenty of horsepower there as well in London as there is in Vegas. So a great opportunity for people to meet and greet. And even introverts, you're going to get something out of this because you're going to find somebody, a, a kindred spirit, who who you can talk with. It's like this. I mean, we're disembodied. I'm here uh, 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 nine time zones away from you guys, but we can still carry on a good conversation yeah. uh, about a topic that we share an interest in, and that's uh, self-publishing. Yeah. So uh, this is what uh, those two conferences are about, bringing people together to talk about uh, what they need to do to get to the next level or share some of their experiences with others who are just, just need that one last thing, uh, who are working hard and just need that one last little 
leg up, as it may be. Not leg over, which that's a, that's a UKism. <laughs> well, it depends how up. the conference goes. Yeah. <laughs> a, leg, a leg up. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's already in um, our diaries for next year. Very much looking forward to going to the London one. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Superb. We actually, uh, uh, Michael said, uh, he sent a note to the, the website company because what we, we want to do is want to mirror our website for the 20booksvegas.com, mirror it to 20 Books London so we don't have to redo all of the uh, website setup work. And then yeah. we'll just uh, edit that site. And uh, we were hoping to have that done by next week so we can open up uh, registration. Wow. Keep it up. We've got we're thinking about 70 right now, but the uh, response from from Europe has been overwhelming. So uh, I want to open it up early just in case we blast past those 70 uh, registrations, because then we'll need to reserve the next room over at the uh, running meet on Tams uh, where we're holding it, because that's still available. If we can get that one, then we can do 150 people. And that would I mean, whoever needs to get that leg up, like I said. Yeah. Or meet with other authors. If we're getting that kind of response, then we need to be able to yeah. uh, to, to help them out. Well, I think you'll get a lot of people from England just because, uh, I mean, England is, you know, it's a little island. Uh, we're all sort of hidden away a little bit. And I think we all sort of listen to the American podcast. We all follow, we're all in, in the same Facebook groups and stuff. And we all want to get involved, but it hasn't been very many opportunities unless you, unless you have enough money to fly over to the US. So this is amazing for yeah. us, especially. Yeah, just just trying to just trying to help out, man. Because yeah. that's the uh, it, it is prohibitive to fly all the way over here. Mm. Uh, it's uh, what seven time zones. So if you came a couple days early, now you're adding in costs and uh, and you'll be tired for the whole time. And it it, it makes it a challenge. It does. Yeah, yeah. Now yeah. for twenty books, twenty books of Vegas, we've got a couple people coming from Australia. Wow, we have a couple people signed up from from uh, UK already. We have uh, somebody coming from uh, mainland uh, over in Europe, uh, the continent, I believe you call it, and mm-hmm. uh, Canada. Uh, we don't have anybody from South America yet that I saw, but uh, there's people coming from all over the place, and uh, it really puts pressure on us to make sure it's a great show. So starting early is the best thing we can do. Yeah, for sure. So if we're um okay, so if we pull back and start looking at your writing career, Craig, very so we read a post on the Twenty Books Fifty K group, which obviously we were talking about a second ago with the conferences, um, and I think we mentioned it a few times on the podcast. But we've seen in this post that you have is it twenty one books planned out for this year? You basically have a very nice grid of all the books that you want to get written, all the covers sorted, all very organised. Um, how? How is that a thing for you? How, how are you able to write that much? How are you able to plan that far ahead and, and look at all these series? I, I've written, I, I published, uh, the 21st book was the one I published yesterday. So those are the covers of oh, wow. those okay. that I published as well as a few, a few extras leaning forward, which was a Chris Fox tip. Have the cover before you start writing the book because it just makes it easier write the book just to make sure that you reference exactly what people are going to see on the cover. And that's important because people will be, people are looking for that. The covers that have nothing to do with the book, it creates a discord in the readers and, and you might lose them or somebody gets the book because of the cover and then don't find what they're looking for in the book. And then you can lose them that way too. So 
uh, getting the cover ahead of time is important. I do that. Uh, Tom Edwards out of the UK has done, oh, geez, about 15 of my covers now. And that's <laughs> uh, those are money makers on their own just because uh, Tom Edwards does such great artwork. And for those that are able to blow up the images on the covers, it it really expresses what they're, they're going to see in the book. Uh, the Free Trader series, those are all those uh, uh, very specific scenes within the books. So it's important. I, I try to line up the covers about six months ahead of time. So it helps me uh, to manage my workload. I write every single day. And like I told you guys before we started recording, I've only written about 400 words today and I need to uh, I need to keep get cranking as soon as we get off uh, with the conference with the other things. Uh, it, it impacts a little bit on my uh, my creative process, but I really shoot for about 3,500 words a day. And if I uh, if I can write between 500 and 1,000 words a creative hour, that's an uninterrupted hour of, uh, of production time, then uh, I can get where I want to go. And 3,500 words a day, that's a million words in a year. That's a lot of books because mm -hmm. my books I'm shooting are, are 60 to 70K. Some are as little as 50K, and uh, a couple are over 100,000 words. And it's okay. It's, it's important to tell the story. You have to contain that story. Uh, like I mentioned about the arcs, each book needs to be its own self-contained story, even if it picks up from a previous book, uh, because that helps a reader, especially if there's a delay between when they read the last book and then read the next book. So it, it's, uh, it's managing the processes, the deliverables. And one thing I did is on 20 books I published here is my publication schedule for the year. And people said, hey, that's insane. That's too much. Well, uh, taking on the conference and the other things, yeah, it, uh, it it could be overwhelming. But as long as I get my 3,500 words a day, I will get there. And, and the only reason I shoot for 3,500 is I edit as I go. So I want clean copy. My first draft is generally a 98% solution. Uh, if I'm having problems with it, I'll shoot it about halfway done i'll shoot it to my developmental editors for a quick read they'll read it in half a day and then get back with me no here's what we're getting from it and then i can adjust i can go back to change something or i can just press forward and fill in those gaps that they identified uh, developmental editors are important uh, responsiveness everybody has been so so great in in helping me uh, and that's uh, part of the reason taken on the conference it's about helping others because people have been so helpful for me and made my career as an author successful. Sure, I'm writing the books, but it's nobody, nobody writes alone. Even though if you look where I am, yeah, I'm kind of alone way up here, but, you're, but I'm not really. I've got the whole world of people uh, holding me up, and yeah. that, uh, that's very important. Yeah. So, um, so you're, you're writing about 3,500 words a day now. Um, do you plan these books out? Do you have like a, an outline or are you uh, pantsing as it were? I, I, I have outlines in my head. Hmm. I don't write them down because I have a tendency to start explaining and writing. And I'm like, if I'm going to write, I might as well just write. So I do, I do outline them in my head right now. I spend probably about two hours outside a day with my dog. We have two acres and we're backed up to a large woods, about 10 more acres where it's just me and Phyllis where we go in there. So I have all this time to myself, I think, and, and try to uh, uh, build those outlines in my head, build those story arcs. Uh, I, I will write down ideas, 
because as I'm working on this book, I might think of things for, hey, for the next book, this would be a good a good hook. This would be a good scene. And I'll dive into the next book where I've put the template. I always try to put templates for my next two or three books out there uh, and then and then throw those notes in there. So I don't lose them because, uh, you know, the creative process, you think of a great scene while you're in the shower, you get uh, (laughs) distracted when you come out because uh, uh, your son has a runny nose and all of a sudden an hour later, you can't remember anything of what uh, that great idea he had in the shower. So it's important to to get those notes down and then clear your mind and come back to the working process. But I I, I am a pantser all the way. If you look for any outlines, because if I died right now, you would have no idea what's going to go on with this book. (laughs) So... Cool. It sounds like um, it sounds like you've got all your ducks in a row in terms of your actual process with your editors and your designers and everything else. How how long did that take you to get set up? Was it a long process or was it very much like you were lucky enough to find the people and just it all clicked into place? Oh my god, the the first book I've tried to find a publisher for the first book, not not a publisher, an editor for the first book that I ever wrote, and a cover designer, and I struggled mightily and didn't find either. So I published that book, and it, it, in that form, it was a piece of crap. It was a good story, but it needed professional editing, and the cover didn't match at all. And the title didn't match either, but it was a good story. So it was, a, it was an abject failure from that perspective. And then I wrote the second book. Uh, the, the second book that I ever wrote was the first book in my Free Trader series. Once again, it was a good story, but there was so much misalignment. There was uh, uh, it needed editing, and I published the my third book was the second free trader book, and that's when I met Michael Anderley. That was March of last year, and uh, we were talking about something else because I was a business consultant. I have a law degree, so he was asking me some business questions regarding twenty books and another uh, 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 joint venture that he was working on, and uh, he mentioned. Oh, by the way, you're going to change your covers, right? <laughs> so uh, that's uh, 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 I got that feedback without getting a spear in the chest saying you suck so bad you shouldn't be publishing. And uh, I took that first book, I, I gave it to a a publisher who was looking for to add to the post-apocalyptic stories that they published, but not a zombie book. I'm like, hey, I got it. I have a survival book. So I sent it to her and she's like, oh, the title. Oh, the cover. Oh, hey, I, I, I need to edit this. <laughs> However, this is a great story. Here's what we need to do. And so that's the series that got uh, uh, traditionally published. So I would always say if you can't find an editor, you can't find a cover artist, you publish anyway because nothing in this business is going to kill you. You can you can press on. You make a mistake. Somebody can help you with that and get and get past it. Like my like my publisher, she's like, hey, this is a good story, but here's what you need to do. And she helped guide me through that process. And the next version of that book was was a really good story, and it became a bestseller, a story that was in essence dead. So it took me oh probably eight months and ten books before I found an editor and and the process that then worked. Uh, worked for me and it was only late last year probably uh, December when everything came online I had the covers I have the editor and the editor very responsive uh, when she says she's ready for it uh, and I say hey this is what I'm going to send it to you that aligned and 
uh, the developmental editors have been there for me all along, except I've been, I've been moving up in the priority list because hmm. uh, it's important. It's important to take care of your, all of your editors and all of your people send presents because uh, they help bring out the best version of you. So uh, Alaskan birch caramels, Alaskan uh, smoked salmon. I'm willing to send that to, <laughs> to as often as we need to because they they help me do better. Uh, and that's, uh, yeah. But it took an awful long time, and it took a lot of books uh, before getting this. And like I said, my editor moving her to salary that helps me. It helps her. It helps. It's just, it's just a better situation all the way around. Because it uh, it gets me what I want, and it gets it puts her in a better place financially, to to be able to respond to my my foibles as it may be. Yeah. But also, I I use Grammarly. I try to send her a clean copy. I would be happy if she sent it back, and there were five changes, and that's it. So that and and good, and I'd pay her for that, and that's great. And I'll send you the next one too. Yeah, just confirm yeah. that it's a good book. I like that professional confirmation. Yeah, it seems it seems as um, a strong sense of altruism i don't know if it's too broad to say that in the indie community as a whole but especially something that we've seen a lot from um the people the 20 books to 50k guys and obviously yourself and michael it seems to be a lot about finding the things that work for you guys getting to a point where you're sort of rising high enough that you can start to bring people up with you and i think that's something that's that's quite admirable but is that is that something that you always thought of doing from the start or did it come from a place of um money first and then we'll kind of see what happens I, I i am in a good financial position like i said i have a law degree as a business consultant i'm retired from the marine so i i'm in an okay financial position so it's not writing even though i write like a fanatic it's it's not about the money so this is an opportunity for uh, a rising tide floats all boats yeah, because uh, as I move up in the in the uh, I was ranked 28 when I checked earlier overall in sci-fi on Amazon, a, a really good ranking. And I, I, I love seeing that. But that because that's a, that's an ego boost. But I try <laughs> not to make it about my ego. I've had enough of a, of a life where I did that. And that it's not good. It's not a good look on me uh, trying to help other people. This is what a great opportunity by mm. by being a successful author. That allows more people to come in. At the end of the year, if I made a quarter of a million dollars and I spent all of it on other people doing things uh, to help me make that, it, it would be a wash because first I wouldn't have to pay the IRS anything and, and uh, the Internal Revenue Service, the tax people. And, and second, we would all win. We'd end at the be Oh, man, look at how much money you made. Made. I, I, I did the air quotes yeah. thing because uh, <laughs> it, 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 it can be expensive. To be a self-published author, it doesn't have to be, but it can be. And, and I, I pay my editors. I'll be paying a formatter for for some books. Uh, I, I pay well for covers, and it, and it's okay because uh, everybody gets a chance to to do better. It's it's let's just say it's making up for some other things <laughs> from my past that uh, I w I was more selfish than I, I should have been. So trying to trying to make those changes. I'm 54 years old is all. I've got a lot of time left, I hope, and uh, and, and trying to do right by the rest of the world at yeah. this point. Yeah, I think it's admirable. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. So Craig, your your first book, you you said just then that um, the story was was good, but maybe the other bits, the other elements weren't quite there. Uh, so you've obviously got some sort of built-in storytelling. Um, you know, storytelling muscles there. So have you always been writing? Have you always been telling stories or, or been reading? Where did that come from? 
That's a great question. I, I think I love telling stories. I've, I, I've always been a reader. I grew up, I'm a child of the 60s, so I grew up, we had one television and we didn't get to have it on uh, during the day or anything. So in the summer, you couldn't sit and watch TV. And we lived uh, in, I was uh, born and raised in Iowa. We were a little ways away from other friends of mine. So I couldn't go see them. So I read. Uh, in the summers, I read an awful lot of book. I read I read The Hobbit when I was in seventh or eighth grade. J.W.R. Tolkien, what a great author. Yes. And then 1974 came around and uh, Tactical Rules published Dungeons and Dragons. You already mentioned that once. Uh, so I lived less than three hours from Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. So on weekends, my mom would drive me over there and I'd get to go to the dungeon. I played some uh, games with uh, – with uh, the original crew and got into Dungeons and Dragons. But once again, I didn't have a whole lot of uh, friends who lived close enough. So it came about the stories about doing scenarios. Even if I didn't play, it was still about the storytelling. So from an early age, it was all about the story. While I was working in my adult life, I tried writing and I couldn't just because there was uh, uh, so much else to do, kind of an overachiever. I was always be the best in my day job, whatever I did. And then finally, uh, uh, I came to Alaska. My wife uh, is a professor at the University of Alaska Fairbanks, and that's why we ended up here. And I worked up on the North Slope in, inside the Arctic Circle. Uh, the coldest I've ever experienced was minus 74 Fahrenheit, which is just cold enough to kill you if you stay outside in it very, very long. I was outside for 30 seconds and thought, thought I was going to die. So uh, oh I, I, I didn't like doing that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I retired from that and then just came home and it's like, oh, I can do this. I, it's finally time. Write a book. You've always said you were going to write a book. Don't be that person who says, hey, I'd love to write a book and I never do. So I started off and 61 days later, I had that first book, 100,000 words in the can. My first target was a thousand words a day is all. And I figured, hey, in three months, I'll have a, a, a book. Mm. Well, as the story went on and as the, the, the muscles, the writing muscles got stronger, then the story came, came quicker and quicker. Uh, so now it's, I, I wanted to get it down to 15 days, but I'm not sure that's going to be possible. So I'm, I am budgeting 21 days to write a story. <clears throat> that's phenomenal. Yeah. What, what would you say out of all of your books? Is, I mean, how many is it you say you've got to your name at the minute? I've got 21 titles, uh, a number of box sets. I'm in a number of anthologies, so probably over 30 different stories. And which would you say is your, out of all of them, your favorite book and why? Oh, my God. That's, that, what a tough question because I, I love writing science fiction. I especially love my space opera, which I just released Yesterday, Cygnus Space Opera. Look for it on Amazon. Uh, <laughs> have to make a shameless plug, man. I'm sorry. Of course, of course. Uh, I think my very best book is one I worked on. I worked very closely with Cat uh, Land, and she helped me with the developmental approach. And we spent a lot of time on the phone uh, building that story. And that's about as close to an autobiography as I can get. It's the only book that's not science fiction, it's in the thriller genre. Uh, about uh, a terrorist coming to D.C. and blending in. 
And that's, uh, like I said, it's close to, it's as close to an autobiography as I'll write. And it is by far probably the best written story of all of them I've done. I took my time with it. I really tried to do it right. And not that uh, uh, taking my time, uh, and that was just because of linking up with my editor in order to, to review sections. That was uh, what took a, a long time, not actually writing the book. Yeah, yeah. So, and how did, how so did that it, one is... is how, how did it feel to publish that? So so personal to you. Uh, you spent a lot longer on that one than the other books. How did that feel compared to publishing the others? It 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 was a, a cold fish slap right in the head <laughs> because I, I, uh, I published it and I tried to market it. I advertised it and it just didn't sell as mm. of today. I think I've sold a total of 85 copies. So I thought, well, let's make an audiobook. So I paid, I paid the big money, uh, to have an audiobook done of it. And I'm, I'm at like 85 copies total sold. So it, it, it was, that's what the, the, the slap in the head was about. It's like, this is the best book I've written. This is an autobiography and nobody likes it. It's not that they don't like it. It's just that getting into that genre, yeah. it, it, it just didn't get there. Marketing, you can, you can have a great book. I, I'm sure I need a new cover. I'm, I'll put a new cover on it uh, here fairly soon uh, and, and hit it out there again. But I found my stride with science fiction, and it's very important. The first four books I wrote were in three different genres. I, anybody getting started, don't do that. You know, <laughs> find find your legs. Write write in one genre at least three books. See if you can find traction, and then move on uh, to six books, nine books, twelve books, whatever it might be. But it's it's important to stay in one genre, also to learn the tricks, uh, uh, the tips, tricks, and tropes that you're trying to hit. It seems to be a bit of a common thread that people will genre hop in the first few books and then advise new writers not to genre hop <laughs> in the first yeah. few books. It just seems to be a part of the process that a lot of people go through. But was there a particular thing that stuck out about sci-fi that you liked more than the other genres you've written in? It's just what I like to read. And that's what I would always recommend write what you like to read because you're, you're more critical of it. Mm. So uh, you're going to be, be more aware of what you like about it and, and how you can work that into your own stories, especially technical, the technical aspects of writing. I don't write fantasy because uh, of uh, the great fantasy authors out there and the flowery language and certain things that, that seem to, to hit within the fantasy genre. Like I cannot write like J.W.R. Tolkien. I don't think anybody can. No. Uh, and, and he defined a certain genre that then became huge. So let's go with that. I can't write like J.K. Rowling, <laughs> so I'm not going to do urban fantasy. Uh, but I can write like Andre Norton or or uh, Larry Niven, some of the old school writers. I'm trying to – Anne McCaffrey is one of my favorite authors. I'm really trying to to learn her style in order to improve my own. So that's uh, that would be the the ultimate book where somebody said, "Hey, this looks just like Anne McCaffrey's work," uh, and, and that that would be a, a, a huge compliment. Uh, yeah. But someday, hopefully, I'll aspire <laughs> to. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, just out of curiosity, um, I'm really interested. So you're you're in Alaska. Uh, you've got the, the two hour dog walk. Um, what is your like writing? What does your perfect writing day look like? And what does your actual writing day look like? 
Yeah, the Ooh. perfect the perfect writing day. I, I've actually had a, a few of those. Yeah. Uh, I, I always get up at three, get up, do that thing, find out that the internet is down. Uh, <laughs> uh, write, then uh, take Phyllis out, come back in, write, drink lots of coffee. Uh, maybe there's a leftover uh, 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 croissant which in the uh, in the fridge, and uh, a leftover what? Uh, a, a croissant, which uh, a, a sandwich on a croissant. All right. Oh wow. Okay. <laughs> we never. I don't think we have those here, do we? No. <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, a little, little, little something to eat and 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 write. Uh, I've had a few of those days, and those are ten thousand word days where wow. everything's flowing like it's supposed to. The distractions are are minimal, and uh, uh, probably. I don't think I can do that right now. So right now, a perfect day would be uh, no problems with the conference. Uh, mm. The anthologies are coming along as they're supposed to uh, that I'm managing. And I can get in probably six or eight hours of uninterrupted writing time and get about six or 7,000 words. So that would be a perfect day. My average day right now, I'm only getting about 2,500 words, but that's uh, the anthology Stories were submitted, have to uh, do the basic editing on them, compile, and now that's with a formatter, so I've, that has uh, is, is not as much of a time investment. The conference is uh, uh, growing in regards to time investment, mm. uh, especially as we prepare to do the 20 Books London website and get that up and start getting people registered. I did contact a number of people over the last few days about being guest speakers, and what a great response. And uh, since we're running so tight on the uh, the finances, all we're trying to do is just pay for the conference room, a little food, coffee, because I drink a gallon of coffee a day. Uh, <laughs> and that's it. We're not we're not we make no money off these conferences. So uh, we've asked the guest speakers, hey, can you come and be a guest speaker? And by the way, can you pay for yourself? And that, that usually is a tough sell. <laughs> However, they've all been so accommodating because in the indie community, indies helping indies, uh, a rising tide floats all, all boats. So uh, everybody has been so accommodating, and that was great to see. We we do have some some big names, uh, not to reveal yet, but London will be big. Uh, so outside of that, if then I can get in and start writing, like as soon as we're done with this podcast, uh, I'll have about three or four hours of uninterrupted writing time. So I think today is going to be a great day. Because uh, I got to got to handle some of the issues early, took care of them, got a few words down on paper. I've got a plan of what I need to do for for the next uh, few chapters, and uh, I got a book published yesterday. Two bestsellers, uh, making some money. Book reports looking good, chinging with great regularity, and uh, uh, we're talking about indie publishing with uh, with two great guys out of the UK. Who, who, who the hell are they? <laughs> Somebody that got called bald. I can't believe that. Man. So, so best way to, best yeah. way to beat a person. You look particularly bald today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it happens more than you think. <laughs> yeah. What would you say? So, I mean, obviously the the Facebook group is a lot of um, the people in there are are new writers. What would you say, if from your experience? are the biggest mistakes that new writers are currently making on the indie scene? I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll give you one that's probably a little bit controversial. It's seeing the money 
and not all the work that goes into it. Hmm. It took me, I started writing in October, October 4th of 2015, started writing full time. That's what I did. That was my, my business. And I made my first profit in December of 2016. I, I was uh, actually negative cash flow until then, which was okay. I'm in a position that that was okay. But uh, uh, most people are not. They look at, they'll have one big month and they're going to look at, hey, I can go full time now. This replaces my day job income. And then they go and they find out that there's, it's, you have to produce with regularity because you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows. If your lows are big enough to pay all your bills, then, hey, you can be a full-time author. But if they're not, then then you might have issues. And on the side of that is if you take what you love, like I tried to do this with golf when I was in high school. I, I was a very good golfer. I was scratch, right? I could shoot, I could shoot par, a par round on a new course. But as soon as I started looking at going to college to play golf, I started uh, crumbling. I couldn't do it. Uh, take what I love and make it a job. And now it's not so uh, attractive. Mm, yeah, That's what happens with uh, some writers. Hey, I'm doing this. Okay. I made a couple great months and they go full time and they find that uh, the muse has left them and then they start to panic. Then it becomes real work and no longer fun. Uh, I'm having a great time at this. Uh, the money's good. The, uh, the stories hopefully are, are good. Uh, getting a lot of great feedback from readers uh, I get a lot of support from fellow indies, and I try to give that support back to other indies. Uh, so that makes that makes it a great gig. But understand, I think that's probably one of the biggest mistakes is people look at this. Hey, I want I want to do this full time because writing is fun, stories, uh, fans. But can you do it day in day out? I write every single day, holidays included. Mm. So can you write 365 days out of the year, and can you do it as your main job? And then, oh, by the way, you got to do marketing and that other non-sexy stuff too. <laughs> so yeah, that's yeah. That, that's a challenge. And that's if you can write every day, and you can write every day regardless, then you're probably that's the first big hurdle to becoming a full-time author. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's a lot harder than people think. I think people see the uh, the Hugh Howies or they see uh, people just just uh, wantonly posting. Oh, I made uh, twenty twenty thousand. 20,000 this past month or something. And they seem, they seem so yeah. nonchalant with it that I think newbie authors think, oh, that sounds, they make it look easy, but it, it's obviously it's obviously very much nuts. <laughs> oh, Hugh Howie hit it big with his uh, with Wool. Yeah. That was his 10th book. <laughs> Keep that in mind. Yeah. Jake yeah. K. Rowling, probably one of the best storytellers of our time, 12 publishers told her to pack sand. Mm. So, yeah, it, uh, it sucks to be you guys, but... Uh, <laughs> <You're> 12 <laughs> yeah. yeah but that's but that you've got to put up with you've got to survive that as well because she yeah. talked about writing in a cafe as a single parent uh trying to get that first book done and then getting rejection letters and guess what she kept at it and that's the diligence it takes it takes that internal drive and i think uh, uh, some in some a lot of indies have that uh some see the the success of hey, the 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 swagger of the successful author, uh, that's that's kind of earned. Some some may get there with their first book, and some it's more like the twentieth book, and that's what the twenty books group is all about. If you've got twenty books, each making, 
and it's it's a ridiculous number. It's only like seven dollars for each book a day. You're going to make fifty thousand dollars, fifty pounds, fifty thousand pounds if you make seven pounds per book per day. That's not very much. That's three copies and a, and a few page reads, and there you are. Hmm. But that's it, but that's what the twenty books is all the twenty books group is about. But how do you write twenty books? Oh my God, I have a full time job. However long <laughs> it takes, it's it, it's okay, and that's managing reader expectations. It's keeping uh, pen to paper, and I couldn't write when I had a full time job, and I'm I'm amazed by people who can. So uh, that's I went full time, and so yeah, I wrote twenty books in a year and a half. But I'm diff- I'm full time. I I write full time, and I don't have that that threat of I'm going to lose my house if I don't make money this week. So that's a, 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 in a little bit different situation. Yeah, but if you yeah. do have the opportunity to write full time, then 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 get to it. You only need to make seven pounds per book. That's it per day. That's it. That's all there Easy. is to it. Basically, <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely recommend people to definitely get onto. We have recommended this before, but the twenty books to fifty k group. If you're out there listening and you haven't joined the group yet, why? We we keep talking about it. It is fantastic. Um, and also, any any people out there want to come to the London group? We could we could do a carpool. We could all go down together. Um, it'd be it'd be great. Where whereabouts is it again? Where where, where is it being held? It's it's uh, Runnymede on Thames, which isn't which is just outside London proper. I've I've heard because yeah. we, we call it Twenty Books London, but it's not really in London. Yeah, the great. So I was I was, I was corrected on that, but it's easier for people to look up London on a map and fly into Heathrow. Yeah, and then it's not very far from Heathrow, I believe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, yeah. I'm going to count on the taxi driver to know where he's going. Hey, the taxi drivers <laughs> in London, they have uh, what what they call the knowledge, which is uh, the yes. one of the hardest tests in the world, and you have to know like every like road, every street, and every direction in London and Greater London. Uh, or they, they're so, not allowed to be a taxi driver. Or they're not allowed to yeah drive a black cab. So yeah, they'll know. They'll know. <laughs> Okay. All right. I'm good with that. That sounds great. Yeah. So yes, yes. I'm counting on the taxi driver to, to get me where I need to go and, yeah. uh, and we'll be there. We'll get there a day or two early and, uh, and uh, it'll be a great show. Andrew Dobell, shout out to him, uh, uh, creative edge. He is, uh, managing the, the affairs there for that show. I'm setting up uh, the guest speakers and stuff, but he's he's really the one making everything happen. So shout out to him and and his cover designs uh, as well as his books. So cool, amazing cool. stuff. Uh, so we, we're flying through. Uh, we're nearly end now. We, we, uh, I just wanted to quickly ask if there was any other mediums like uh, films or comics or or anything that you'd be interested in trying in the future, or if you're comfortable with with the novels. We are. Uh, we've been trying to push End Times Alaska as a good uh, mini series because uh, Alaska stuff, the reality shows are so bogus uh, yeah. regarding Alaska, except for Alaska State Troopers. That's a very good show that shows uh, how Alaska really is more like it. Uh, unfortunately, it shows the, the, the crime, but uh, uh, Alaska Preppers or whatever the hell those stupid ass shows were, uh, those <laughs> don't, don't, don't watch those. Yeah, they, they don't show real Alaska. So, so we've been pushing that because Alaska is big on on American TV right now, at least, and, and trying to get somebody to to look at it and think of it as a mini series. And also, the way I wrote it, very very short chapters, was uh, is better for a screenwriter. So it would be easy to turn that into a screenplay. Uh, uh, Cartharian Gambit, of course, is is prime for a TV series, whether Netflix or or uh, one of the prime studios. 
So those are always welcome. We haven't, uh, uh, Michael hasn't gotten any offers yet, but uh, I don't think, uh, I don't think he's going to spend his life and not see TKG in a, uh, uh, on, on TV in one way or another. Uh, the Terry Henry Walton Chronicles, another one that would be good for a mini series at, at to start or just a TV series. That would be good. We'd love to, we'd love to do that. We would love to collaborate with screenwriters to, uh, to make those stories come to life. Uh, I've done audiobooks. Uh, we have audiobooks of all all our books, the the Terry Henry Walton Chronicles. And in the in the process of getting done, they will all be in audiobook. As far as getting a graphic novel of of uh, the Terry Henry Walton Chronicles, we've thought about that, but that's we don't know how to market to that group. We don't know about uh, uh, making it there. It's not that it's out. It's just that it, it's a step too far right now. Maybe yeah, someday yeah. we will, but uh, it's just the time investment for the, an hour that we get to invest. Because for me, if I can get an hour of uninterrupted writing time, that's worth about $100 to me over the course of the year. So uh, all of 2016, my my uh, the, that hour spent writing had, had a negative value So because <laughs> I hadn't made a profit yet. But, but uh, this year has been exceptional. So if I can spend an hour on interrupted writing, that uh, that has a, a pretty big value. Cool. Uh, so um, we don't want to keep you too long then. <laughs> I know you. Uh, it's an expensive uh, hour you're wasting with us. Uh, so um, we'll, we'll start to wrap up. I mean, uh, we do have a quick fire round, if that's okay for you. Just a few questions to throw sure. at you. Um, feel free to answer or not answer or, you know, you know take it and leave it. Um, Dan, are you ready? I am ready. Craig, are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> Perfect. Oh, Dan, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, after you, mate. Okay, cool. Uh, biggest hobby outside of writing? Walking with my dog. Uh, collab or solo writing? Our, our collaboration is a little bit different because I do write the book independently to begin with. Mm. And then Michael reviews it. I, I stay in touch with Michael as I'm writing it. So I would always say writing independently. Okay. Would you take the one-way ticket to Mars? Uh, no. Uh, what was the last book you read? The last book I read was by Jonathan Brazy. It was uh, one of his twins' novels under uh, United Federation Marine Corps. Uh, Colonel Brazy is a retired Marine, and he writes a great space opera that's based on the Marine Corps. So it, uh, it's right in a wheelhouse. Yeah. The one person you'd like to meet? The one person I'd like to meet. Would it be too uh, uh, too much if I said a hairy Luke Condor? <laughs> I, I, I can bring a wig to uh, the, the 20 Books of London event. That's fine. I can grow a hair. It's just not particularly uh, lavish hair, I would say. It's, um, it's a little so, bit like... So many, a, so many great... So many great people out there. When I come to the, uh, the UK, I would like to meet Mark Dawson, actually. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, your favorite place to write? Uh, my office at, at my house. Who's your favorite writer? Who's my favorite writer? A, a great question. I, I, I have a number of them. Uh, J.W.R. Tolkien and Anne Caffrey. Uh, two people from the islands over that way. Cool. Uh, jam or... I've got Marmite written here, but I don't think you have that in America. I think it's called Vegemite. 
Oh my God. My, my son is getting married in Australia to an Australian uh, this okay. December. Yeah. Uh, he said, he said Vegemite is disgusting. So <laughs> I've actually never had it. So we're going to go with jam. Okay, cool. Uh, and final question. Would you come back on the show? Oh, absolutely. If, if I, if I haven't bored the snot out of your readers, I'll probably already, uh, whenever you're, post this they're going to dial up and say no not that guy not that guy <laughs> no no i don't I, I think pretty much the opposite i think there's been some fantastic stuff that people could take away from this one definitely yeah yeah um, thank you thank you craig where, where can we follow you in your work uh the best place is probably uh my author facebook page uh author craig martell or craigmartell.com and that's c-r-a-i-g-m-a-r-t-e e dot com. Uh, I have a blog there that I probably don't update as much as uh, it's, it's so easy to update Facebook and post things that yeah. uh, I think that has taken the place of a lot of blogs. Cool. Okay, so uh, a quick thanks to Disasterpiece for the intro and outro music. Thank you to ACAST for hosting this podcast. The listeners for listening. Thank you to our patrons over at patreon.com forward slash Cleaver. Thanks to Dan, my co-host, for being here, because without you, I'd be alone. And thanks once again to the amazing Craig Martell and uh, Phyllis, who I imagine is, is listening into the show um, somewhere. <laughs> just sat behind Craig, I imagine. Yeah, thanks again, Craig. It's been amazing. Thank you very much. Hey, hey, thank you, Luke. Thank you, Dan. No really appreciate it. Uh, join us next time, and we'll have more talking to do and noises to make. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Story Studio Podcast. Still hungering for some podcast goodness? Then why not check out our other show, The Other Stories. Oh, and did you know, every time you leave us a review in the iTunes store, a puppy is born. Cute, eh? Anyway, toodle pip. <laughs>